This is Eric Boll, Missouri Farm Bureau's Director of Public Affairs, with this week's episode of Around the Kitchen Table, our weekly podcast where we talk about the issues that our members are talking about around their kitchen tables. Today I'm joined by Kalina Bruce, a farmer and rancher from Southwest Missouri and also a CPA, to talk about the tax bill that was just released by the House Republicans in Congress. So please pull up a chair and join us at the kitchen table. Hi, Kalina. Thanks for joining us. No problem, Eric. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's good to talk to you again. We talked just a few weeks ago about taxes uh, as we were anticipating this bill being released, and I appreciated you enlightening me about what some of these terms meant. Um, If anybody is uh, weighing some background, they may want to go back and listen to our conversation from a few weeks ago to understand what some of these topics are, but it was exciting to finally get to look at what the bill actually said and um, and see what the proposal is that we've been waiting for for literally years. Now we actually saw a pen put to paper and got to take a look at it and, and evaluate it a little bit. Um, so what uh, what are your initial takeaways after looking at this bill that the House, uh, House Republicans introduced last week and they're starting to discuss this week? Well, you know, we we were really pushing for a few key things. You know, the continuation of cash accounting, being able to deduct business interest, um, repealing the estate tax law, and we got some relief there, and that's really exciting um, that they listened to what we had to say, especially what our our members had to say when they went and contacted their congressmen or their senators, and uh, so we're excited about that. Um, I'm excited about, you know, the individual tax brackets and and seeing those rates um, kind of condensed down and, and um, lower, but you know some of it, you know, we're really quite unsure of how things are going to shake out. Uh, we've got some pass through um, entity questions on on our S corps and our partnerships, um, just needing some clarification and that sort of thing. But all in all, we're pretty excited to, to see some of these things like estate tax. Um, get eventually be completely repealed and that sort of thing. So um, it's just an exciting time. We have a once in a generation opportunity here, right, to get some mm-hmm. real tax reform that's going to benefit us. Um, so we're just, you know, still kind of waiting through it. We've not had a whole whole lot of days. To and I think really it's something like and, 500 pages of text to actually yeah. look through. So we're all. Yeah, it seems like every lot. day we uncover a new detail that we hadn't really heard about yet. So that's definitely yeah. the case. Well, it's a lot, and it's going to keep it's going to keep people busy. Um, you know, it's going to keep me as a CPA very busy, just kind of <laughs> weeding through and deciding how it's going to affect all my clients. And mm-hmm. there's some interesting things in there that we've never seen before, um, like the thirty seventy split on on income for past their entities. That's that's going to be interesting for people. Sure. Um, so to see how how we handle that. And let's start there because that's probably the biggest surprise to come out of this that. I don't think anybody was really expecting to see. Um, can you describe exactly what that thirty seventy split is, and and what it means to people um, who have a who have a farm that may have may be affected by that with the the pass through provisions? Sure. So this is going to affect all pass through income, and that's going to be for sole proprietors who file just on their individual tax return on the Schedule S. Be for partnerships and S corporations. Um, and what that's going to do is it's going to say 30% of that business income is going to be considered a return on investment. 
and that will mean that it cannot be taxed higher than 25%, no matter what that income is. And so that would be the, the other, that would be taxed at the corporate rate, right? Is that correct? Um, or is that a no, separate rate? Okay. It's going to be separate. So really, so our individual tax brackets now go, um, you know, from 12 to 25 um, to 35. Mm -hmm. And so what, what that's saying is that 30% cannot go higher than the 25% okay. tax. Um, and then the other 70%, of course, can, will be taxed at wherever you're at in your tax bracket. Mm -hmm. um, right now, there's not a, a lot of clarification on self-employment tax. And so um, something that American Farm Bureau is really pushing for um, and working hard on is getting that clarification to say, well, if 30% is really a return on investment, then we want that 30% to not be subject to self-employment tax. Sure. And that right there is going to reduce tax, the effective tax rate for farmers and ranchers nationwide by quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so we're excited to see where we can get get on that piece of legislation. Mm -hmm. So just to, to clarify or to um, go back and make sure that I've got this straight, so if you have a pass-through business, uh, you're, if your farm is organized in a pass-through entity, which would be like a partnership or an LLC, um, as long as you've elected to be taxed that way, um, the first 30% of your income would be um, treated as though it was uh, no, hold on. The first thirty percent of your active income would be treated uh, at that maximum of twenty-five percent rate, and then Correct. anything else would be just taxed at your uh, your individual rate as um, as a uh, whatever your in individual income tax level right. is. Is that right? Sorry, yes, sorry, right. you're you're much uh, more in tune with this stuff than I am, but it's a complicated issue. Yeah, it, it is very complicated, and that, you know, that right there is kind of an oxymoron because we were really we were really hoping for something that was going to simplify and make things, you know, streamlined a little bit. And I do think there are some provisions and some things that, that we're doing that are going to simplify it. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's all new, right? So mm -hmm. we'll have to, everybody's going to have to have a, a new tax plan, and we're all going to have to learn, learn it together because... We're rolling out for 2018, right? But it's mm -hmm. November of 2017. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everybody's going to be learning this as we go, so to speak. Absolutely. And and we should also preface all this to say that these are this is just the first proposal. Who knows what, how this yeah. may change by the time it gets yeah. hopefully voted on and, and something gets passed. It may look very different from what we're seeing right now. Um, Absolutely. So uh, one of the other issues you mentioned is this, uh, the Section 179 or the depreciation, um, I'm sorry, it's, it's expensing, correct? Yes. And mm -hmm. um, that changed from a, uh, is, the proposal is to change it from a cap of 500000 to $5 million. Is that what you understand it to be? Yes. Yeah, that's the correct. That's correct. So we did get an increase there, um, which we're real excited about. The one concerning thing for us is that there's a lot of temporary provisions in there. Um, so it, Again, it's not permanent, and that's what we were really pushing for with a permanent tax code. Um, so we're kind of back into that, you know, they can play with it if they want to um, type of thing. Um, so we're pleased with the fact that they've raised it, and we're pleased with the fact that they're allowing for immediate expensing. But again, the temporary, we'd like to see that just thrown out. You know, mm -hmm. no temporary. Let's go permanent. Let's fix this and move on. 
Yeah, having the certainty is sometimes more important than some of these specific details. Yes, You'd rather have it just permanent. Um, yeah. And one of the, I think the first thing you mentioned was cash accounting rules, and that uh, seems like a big win in this bill. Uh, how? Why is that important, and how does that affect us? Well, it's it's very important to people who you know um, debt finance, who um, you know save, especially farmers and ranchers who are saving crops from one year to the next or going out and looking for a good market for their livestock you know we're price takers um, we don't get we don't get a choice and so we we do have the choice of when we sell and when we when we hold and so we wouldn't want to pay tax on on income um, on crops that were still in the field on on cattle still in the feedlots that sort of thing and so um, cash accounting is very important to us so that we can help we can use that to help mitigate our income and mitigate our, our tax liability. Mm-hmm. So it is a big win for us. Um, there's still a provision in there for large, larger farms. If they have gross income of $25 million, um, they're not going to be, they'll have to use accrual accounting. Um, but, you know, we're excited that that we're allowed to keep it. It's, mm-hmm. it's a win for us. And, and for those that aren't as um, familiar with some of those terms, the cash accounting means that if you, that you have to recognize that you have to report that income um, whenever you sell it and, and whenever you sell the asset and get paid for it rather than when you put the, say, the grain in the bin. Um, under accrual accounting, you'd have to um, count it as income when the grain got into the bin rather than when you sold it, right? Right, okay. correct. Well, that's, uh, yeah, much much simpler just from an accounting perspective uh, for a small business mm-hmm. to to just put down when you actually sell it rather than when you collected the uh, the oh, item itself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a good one then. <laughs> um, what about the uh, the 1031 exchanges? That's another one I've seen quite a bit in some of the articles um, that have come out in the past few days. The Some of it was changed, but we were able to keep um, one of the, some of the major parts of that. Is that uh, how does that look? Right. So we were able to keep the 1031 exchange um, for, you know, the real property. So if you you sold part of your farm ground, um, you could do a, use a 1031 exchange and purchase another piece of like-kind property and defer any gain, any tax liability there. Um, the one piece out of, out of that that we weren't able to keep was like-kind exchanges on livestock and equipment. And so we're... We're fighting hard for that one. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that we'd like to see brought back in, something that farmers and ranchers use every year, whether they're trading out breeding stock, um, you know, new bull power, whatever, or they're buying a new combine or upgrading tractors. I mean, that's something that happens every year on just about every farm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're looking for some relief there, whether that's um, to continue those like-kind exchanges or to allow for immediate expensing of, um, you know, a purchased asset that you're you're purchasing to replace the asset that you sold. And so just some way to offset the gain on that because we use our equipment and we replace our equipment um, and, our, and our breeding stock, and, and we need that piece to be able to lower our effective rate. Mm-hmm. And the, the current proposal says that only real property, which would be um, any land or houses, that are or or, right. or um, barns or structures that are on that real estate would actually exactly. be eligible for this like kind exchange. So, 
exactly. yeah, hopefully we'll be able to make some progress there. But the definitely the largest uh, dollar amount um, as far as assets goes usually is is in land. But yeah, you made a good point that the equipment and and um, breeding stock and those types of things are more common to turn over. That happens much more often, um, and so it, it's on a on a year in year out basis. That's where you may need that the most. So exactly. hopefully, hopefully we'll get a change there. Um, the uh, the other major one you mentioned is the estate tax. That's obviously been uh, a major point that we've been pushing on for decades uh, since this was, I think it was enacted a, a hundred years ago, maybe 101 years ago to help pay for World War One. Um, I was just reading earlier today. So it's been around for a long time and uh, yeah. this would help to phase it out. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to get an immediate relief um, by doubling our exemption from $5.4 million to $11 million. Uh, we're going to get to keep step-up basis. We're going to get to keep um, spouse portability. So that means um, if, if you pass, then your spouse can take your $11 million and it, in um, a state tax exemption, and that would give them $22 million, mm-hmm. um, for exemption. And so it's... It's a it's a big win, especially whenever um, we're looking at a full repeal in 2024. So mm-hmm. um, we're really excited about that. Um, other than just marking it off the books, there's no there's no better win for us on on the estate tax side. Sure, when that gets to be a 22 million dollar exemption for a couple, right off the bat, that that makes it, it takes takes most family farms that were struggling with it out of that category now. And, yeah. Uh, as it as it um, indexes uh, for inflation as well, it will continue to grow. So that's a positive as well. Um, and you mentioned the stepped up basis, and we went into that a little bit the last time we spoke. Could, but I think that's such an important concept. Could you explain that again as to why that's an important issue? Right. So, um, for example, uh, in in our family operation, uh, you know, my parents bought part of of the farm. Um, for, you know, $800 an acre 30 years ago, um, and now uh, it's worth $2,800 an acre. Mm -hmm. So if they were um, to pass and leave that land to me, um, at this, the way that the law currently reads, I would get a step up in basis that says that that land is um, worth, um, it's appraised at or valued at um, a certain amount 30 days from their date of passing, basically. And mm-hmm. so I would get a stepped-up basis that says my cost now is 2800 and so I can sell that land if I choose to and not pay any gain on it. Mm-hmm. Um, if they got rid of the stepped-up basis, then I would be inheriting that land for a cost of $800 an acre and having to pay tax on gain of $2,000 an acre, and that would be very, very costly. Mm-hmm. Um so we're, we're excited for the stepped-up basis to continue. That's a big win um, for all Americans, not just farmers and ranchers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's going to be a good thing because stepped-up basis applies to everything, not just, not just land. It applies to, to stocks and, you know, to, to personal property and, and all of those things. And so it's, it's a big win for us. Sure. Wonderful. Well, glad to see that because that was something we were watching maybe more closely than anything else. I think that would probably affect... Um, more of our members than than most of these yeah. other issues. Um, the one other item that uh, that we had heard a lot of concern about over the past few months, and 
seems like yet again came out fairly good for us was um, business interest deduction and especially well I should mention the the fact that you are the national chairwoman of the uh, young farmers and ranchers uh, committee for AFBF and a lot of young farmers and ranchers were concerned about that because younger uh, farmers pay a larger proportion of their income um, towards uh, a larger proportion of their expenses goes towards debt service than than maybe older people because they're earlier in their careers. So they're trying to uh, buy land or buy assets and, and pay them off. And if they weren't able to deduct the interest of those payments, it would make it pretty hard to stay in business. Um, and it looks like this is looking pretty good for them. Is that how you see it too? Yeah, I think I think they heard that clear whenever they originally had that as a as a no go for us. So they put that back on the book. We're going to get to keep our business interest deduction. It, it's a huge win for farmers and ranchers, but especially young farmers and ranchers. So we're really excited about that. It does have a phase out, um, but again, you have to have gross income over twenty five uh, million dollars, and so um, for for the ever everyday farmer and rancher um, we, we got a big win there so what other items on the in this bill have you looked at and caught your eye that you think people ought to be aware of and, and make sure that they're looking out for yeah so if you're an S Corp if, if your business or your farm is organized as an S Corp um, you should get on the phone to, to your congressman or congresswoman and talk to them about the fact that the new bill says that 70% of your S-Corp income is going to be subject to self-employment tax. And so that's the reason why people organize as an S-Corp is so that um, the only piece of that S-Corp income that is subject to self-employment tax is what's considered your reasonable wage. Everything else is taxed at your pass-through individual rate, and that's what makes that's the beauty of an S-Corp. And so um, this bill pretty much makes all S-Corps ineffective. Mm-hmm. And well, so we, need, we need to difference. do some work on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, I think that we have a lot in he- ahead of us. We'll probably need to talk again soon because I think that these things are going to to morph quite a bit as it gets through the through the House. But then also the Senate has to work on their own version. You know, procedurally, right. this is not going to be a um, slam dunk either because the Senate has a very very narrow margin over there, and especially with some of the um, the the people who are having health issues right now. Even adding Senator Paul to the mix as of a couple of days ago, getting tackled mowing his lawn, um, it could really throw a wrench into things, and they they'll probably have to tweak it quite a bit. Uh, any thoughts on what we might see coming out of that side of the of the Capitol? No, uh, you know I I worry. There's some things in in the House bill that I know that they're not um, too excited about. Um, you know the the repeal of the Section 199 domestic activities production. Um, deduction is something that I know that the Senate Finance Committee was hoping to keep. And so, you know, there's some bigger things in there. Um, obviously, state tax on the Democrat side is, is a hot-button issue, and so they want to keep that. So we, like you said, we have a narrow margin in the Senate. Um, so it's going to really depend on who's healthy, and, and I think we can lose two votes, right, on the yeah, Republican I think that's side about right. to, to yeah. push something through. And so... Um, we we'll just have to keep an eye on it. I know it'll be, um, you know, this bill should come out of the Ways and Means Committee. They should be finished marking it up this week. So we'll mm-hmm. see where we're at. Well, there will be a lot of horse trading going on. That's for sure. Yeah. 
there will be. <laughs> Great. Well, Kalina, thanks again for joining us uh, again to talk to, about taxes. We re- appreciate your expertise and it's great to have someone uh, who knows so much about both sides of this stuff with the uh, farming and the accounting. So appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. No problem. It's been my pleasure. Wonderful. Well, to our listeners also, if you have other items that you think that we ought to talk about on Around the Kitchen Table, please shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and let us know what those ideas are. We'd love to take those up in a future episode. Until then, we will see you next week. Next week.